0: Praise God. If you'd like to take your seats, we're going to have our time of offering. We thank God for another Sunday service. We're a blessed people to be in the house of God this morning. No greater place, no greater honor, nowhere else we'd rather be. You know, there's um, we come from so many different situations, and we gather together on Sunday morning. Isn't that a blessed thing that we can gather, that we can still gather, that we can still proclaim that Jesus is the King of Kings, that He's the Lord of Lords. And I read somewhere this week that spoke to me. It says when the church is mainly watered down to having a good experience, then we shouldn't be surprised when people walk away when they have a bad one. When the church is watered down to everyone having a good experience, then we shouldn't be surprised when people walk away when they have a bad one. The church is not here for us to just have a feel-good experience. It's here, it facilitates the gathering of believers that we can invite the Holy Spirit to come into the midst of us and change our lives. To translate us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, but to lead us and guide us into all truth. Not the truth that I make up, but the objective truth, the truth of the word of God. And we're going to have the truth ministered to us this morning. But we want to continually say to God, God, have your way. More love, more power, more of you in my life. When we come to church and the Holy Spirit is present and is ministering, the spirit feels good. The spirit feels that it's been watered and nourished and edified and strengthened and restored and revived. The flesh often may writher. And may wriggle and make fight against the spirit. But let it be, not my will, but yours be done. So that we can receive the entirety of the word of God. We don't choose what we receive, we receive what God wants to say to us. And the fountain of God is open. The fountain of God is there when we are thirsting. Come to me, the scripture says, and draw. Come without money, without price. So we don't buy our salvation. We offer now for the extension of God's kingdom. We offer to show God, God, if you can use me, use anything about me, whether it's my finances, my education, even my lack of education, whatever it is that I have in my hand, I will use it for your glory. So think about what you have, not what you do not have. We've sung, God is on the throne. Just think about that, that God is on the throne, that when we gather, he's enthroned in our praises. Take your rightful place within my heart, God. This is church. This is where I come to surrender. This is where I come to offer. This is where I come to say, God, have your way in my life. This is where I stand before him and I say, Lord, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why? Because I know that God is on the throne. I know that God is always good. And I know that he's a father that loves like a father should. So I know in my life that if I can say not my will, but yours, all things will work out for good because he's a good God. He's on his throne, he never changes, he doesn't have often bad days. He loves me and loves you with a ferocious love, with an unending love. And he desires that we draw close. So if you feel you've failed God in any way, I would rather walk with God in the dark than walk by myself in the light. Even in my darkness, he shall be my light. So choose today what you're going to think about. Like it says in Deuteronomy, he places before us blessings and... You choose. Today, what you will meditate, you choose the God you serve. Because if you don't serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are still serving the God of the world and sitting on that fence. And today, every time we come before him, there's a choice to be made. Choose life. Choose life. Seek him today while he still may be found. There may be coming an hour where he will be hiding. Seek him. He's here in the midst of us today. Choose him. Decide for him. Confess him before men that he will confess you before his father in heaven. We're taking our offering. Choose to walk with God, even in darkness, even through pain, and even in tears. He says he numbers my wanderings and he collects my tears into his bottle. And tears are liquid prayer. Allow tears to flow. Don't always think that church is going to be a hype experience. Sometimes it really is because it's the Holy Spirit. But remember what we said. If we water down church to always feeling good when you come, you may walk away when you're not feeling good. It's not about my feelings or your feelings. It's about God taking the highest place. It's about us honouring and worshipping him.
1: God bless you. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here today. Turn around, just acknowledge each other in the house. Praise God. Thank the senior pastor for the inspiring word and encouragement to the church. Amen. We're all on a journey. You're welcome. Anyone visiting first time, you're welcome. Amen, praise God, I pray you have blessed, it's good to have you all in the house and also his eminence archbishop in some time, You're well- let's give an apostolic welcome, I know he's been traveling and all our visitors today, you are all welcome, it's good to have you here in the house, God bless you, it's wonderful, amen, many things are taking place, I don't know if I had a, a message that this afternoon, I think, is it three o'clock, is it Greenwich meantime, there's going to be an alert through all the mobile phones, interesting, Throughout the If that's the case, and it says that the warning is for fires and floods. We have so many of them every year. We need that warning. You know, um, but there's a, they sent me a message. I think uh, Angela sent me this message, the government uh, information, that we can turn the alert off if we want to. And the thing is, unfortunately, God sends his warning to the world every day. But people have turned the, the alert off. Yeah, so we need to be switched on to God, switch off to the world. You know, in that sense. And but you know, nonetheless, you know, sometimes it's good to be warned. If there's a, a, a danger coming upon us, we need to know about it and be careful. And so, whatever the case is, you know. But there is, you know, at the time of Noah, no one gave Noah gave that warning. There was a flood coming. Yeah. But no one took any notice because there was desert around them. They thought, where's the water coming from? Right. You know, it comes to side swipes us sometimes. We don't know what's going to happen till it happens. Right. Otherwise, we'd be wiser. We wouldn't make the mistakes we make if we prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Or if we side overstepped them. Yeah. So, you know, we just need to be alert. And this is the warning of God. His word reminds us. Be careful. There's different things happening in life that sometimes we encounter things that we don't ex- expect. Praise God. We've just come through the Baskan. I I'll say the Greek name Baschan, which is the Passover period. They call it Easter in the Western world, but it's, it's a festival that celebrates the Passover. There's two Passovers. There's a physical and spiritual, and the world just continuing haphazard the way it was and it is. Everyone always does what they do. That's why they get what they get what they got. And we want to change. I'm speaking about new things, new beginning last week, a transformation, new outlook and so forth. And it's exciting. Life the, the spiritual journey is so exciting. More exciting than the natural journey if you're switched on to God, if you're open in the spirit, praise God. So today I just want to look upon look through that what this what this period really speaks about. And also to say that the word love, according to the scripture, is a verb. A verb is a word that speaks about action. Love is a verb. Love is translated in action. And there was no no greater expression of that action than the cross of Calvary. And I want to take a trick, take a journey, stop for a, a a few moments at the cross of Calvary and see what was actually taking place there. Because we forget the central message of the gospel in our generation. That why a man will come and die on a cross. For what purpose? What reason? Go through all that uh, uh, suffering. All that pain. And give himself. He said, nobody takes my life. I give it. And I was privileged yesterday. I was invited by the Redeemed Church of Christ in Romford to to give a hebrew to teach on the hebrew language i gave a, uh i was i was teaching on hebrew yesterday at the redeemed church of christ in Romford. thank you reverend david if he's watching or listening to the message and it was good because it was going out throughout different countries different places and maybe might, i'll run the hebrew uh, lesson here in, in our church invite whoever wants to be a part of it because it's the the hebrew language as is the greek language is a very rich language the things we lose in translation when we when we miss the original, the 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 primary language is powerful. But in fact, I just going just show you something before I come to the message today to see the cross of Calvary. If you go to Genesis chapter one, verse one, just the beginning of the Bible is profound. I just want to have it on head the Hebrew, very quickly. We'll have the Hebrew just put it up. The first word of the Bible is if you just highlight if several we'll highlights here every letter has a meaning for example the first letter is beth the second is resh the third is uh, aleph the fourth is shin the fifth is yod and the, the last one is tav okay they're the, the hebrew letters that make this word the first word in the bible which means beginning and the first it begins it does say in the it says beginning and I said last week, is day one, The f- one day. It doesn't say first day, it says one day. Because your one day can begin from now. As I said, your clock starts from now. Everything old has cast, has been cancelled out. It's one now. It's, it's, it's one. It's new beginning for you now. It's, we're taking a new breath now. You can't relive the old breath. Once it's gone out, you can't catch the old breath, but you're catching a new breath. Out with the old, in with the new. But interesting, each letter says something. Because the Beth, the first letter, is represents a house. The second letter represents a head. The third letter represents an ox. The fifth, uh, the, sorry, the fourth letter represents a tooth. The fifth letter represents a nail, and uh, sorry, a hand. And and the sixth letter, one, two, three, four, five, six, represents a cross. Can you imagine that? The first, that's that's what's depicted in that. Just for that one word. Speaks volumes. Depth, width, length, and height. But what is it saying? It begins with B, uh, the bet, and the next letter is resh. That says, if you separate, it, it says bar. The Hebrew word bar. And you know sometimes uh, the scriptures uh, Simon bar Jonah. He's addressed Simon bar Jonah. The word bar means son, Jonah of son of jo- of Jonah. Simon Bar Jonah, son of Jonah. So the first letter in Genesis first beginning of Genesis begins with bar son Son is Jesus Christ. if you go to John chapter 1 verse one which is a parallel to this that John expounds upon this he says in the beginning he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God and then verse two says this what's this? He was in the beginning with God. Begins with Bar, Son. And then it says, verse 3, watch this. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made through the Son. So go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Watch this, watch this. So it begins it begins with the Son. Watch. Let me go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Very quickly, just, just enjoying a little exposition of the word here. It says, it says Bar. So it says son. But the next word, the three letters, bara, means create. So the son creates. John says nothing was made that was made without him. So it begin, that's how it begins. But interesting, and there's a few elements added here. That are interested in the first verse of Genesis, if you go back to the first word, the last two letters very interesting, because if you put them together it 's got yod which is a hand, and it 's got a cross. Jesus is a hand or cross that was crucified from the foundation of the world, so the Genesis begins with a crucifixion, and who was crucified the son, because later you read on you have two letters singled out coming out, appearing that need not be there, which is the eleven and tough, which is the one, two, three, the fourth. The fourth word down, Aleph and Taf, which is, um, Aleph and Taf is the Alpha Omega of the Hebrew language. Aleph and Taf is Alpha and Omega. So who is the Alpha and Omega? Jesus Christ. So embodied, fixed in that first verse. There's no doubt, no ambiguity that is recorded. And this is how the scripture, the Old Testament, the mechanism works. Embodied in, this, in the word is, is a meaning, adept to the word. It's not what's just seen on the surface, and it takes prayer and revelation to remove that veil to understand what's really going on. Because the end, as Isaiah tells us, was declared from the beginning. Everything that was going to take place that you're experiencing and living has already been foreseen by God, and God has made a way out for us. God is accounted for that. God is God is impacted that, and God is showing us a way to move on to fulfill His and our purpose in Him. Praise God. And I've just touched upon two, not even two, three words. And every letter character speaks about something. But I'm not going to give the four. I was had this, the, the teaching from 10 o'clock to about just before four yesterday. So I'm not going to go for six hours teaching you now. But if you want to stay, you're welcome after the after the study to uh, the, the message this morning and the celebration and everything to stay and, and, be, and be with us and, and, and we can expand on the word of God. In fact, we have a baptism as well today. I think we're, 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 we're on the chart of baptisms. I think we're ahead. We're at the World Championship Baptism Church. <laughs> Praise God. So where, where, where are we? Do you know where I am? Sorry? At the beginning. beginning, It's good to start at the beginning. Not, Not at the end. Alpha and omega. Yes. Okay, coming back to the message today. Love is a verb. You can say to people, you can tell people, love you, bro. You can say to people, I love you as much as you like. Words mean nothing. You can say, I really feel for you. But the bible re- reveals to us that love is translated in action it's the doing that qualifies not what you're saying not the word you can have good intentions a good intention without action is meaningless yeah you can't get anywhere with a good intention unless you put action to that make the effort you know through action and the criteria of relationship with god that, that we know this, we have a relationship with God, this is our action. You being here today, your action of coming here shows that you love God. That you want to be in a place to receive, to share, to be a part of what God is doing. To be a part of God's plan. That's action, that shows for your action. It goes a long way to show, yes, I do love God and I'm making the effort. Because you could have chosen to be in a hundred thousand different places today, but you chose to be here. And that must be commended and celebrated. And that should be encouraged. Praise God. So I really commend everyone making that effort. That's a big thing that is. You overcome so many hurdles and obstacles to be here today. And people watching live stream, the fact that you're tuning in, you're making that effort. So God bless you. are welcome. Hallelujah. And God honors that. Praise God. And as, as the senior pastor was saying about, you know, not just coming when you feel good. You know, there was a woman that was... A narrative in the the Gospel of Luke that speaks about a woman who was bowed over for 18 years. But where did the Lord find her? Not in her home. Not among her friends. Not on some vacation. He found her in the synagogue. Because she was going continually, consistently in the synagogue. Because she was going there because she wanted an encounter with God. Not that God could not meet her anywhere. Of course he meets her anywhere. He met the, the woman with the issue of blood in in, in, in in the multitudes. She came and actually found him. So God can meet us anyway. But our efforts go a long way with God. Because it shows the evidence that we really want more of God. We want to be a part of God's movement. And there's not a, a, a more, more important time than today to really be a part with the move of God. With all this madness going around the world. We're at the doorstep perhaps of a third perhaps of a third world war we're on there. we're on the brink of, a, of break. something happening some, some someone crazy doing something right. Would a, was a unthought of, unheard of. our post- second world War thought we're never going to go we're never going to do this again it's never going to happen again. we're not going to have another world war nation against nation. we're going to disarm everyone. We're armed beyond. What we should, well, re- re- being reasonable, really, at this time, we can blow the world, destroy the world a thousand billion times over. The, the, the once is enough, really. <laughs> and this is, and this is the why the, the God is so important in our lives, because He's the one really sets, you know, puts things in context, and really re- realigns our spiritual center. And, and our compass to see where we're really going or what's really taking place. So God bless you. So with no further ado, thank you for the message. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening on the cross? <laughs> on, uh, what, what happened on a cross on Calvary? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this. Deacon Donald would be complaining if that was the end of the message. I would be told off by Deacon Donald. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And what Jesus Christ was doing on the cross of, crea- or on the cross of Calvary was create, recreating a new man, a new world. He was in the business of creating. Because he paralleled Genesis chapter 1, when in the beginning God creates the heavens and the earth and everything. From the cross, Jesus is recreating again. But a new dimension. Yeah? He's still in authority. He's enthroned. That's his throne. Where he makes his declaration. The cross of Calvary becomes the throne that God re-begins the process of the new creation. And on, from the cross of Calvary, it's overlooked by many people. Who don't realize that is the fulfillment of Genesis chapter one, and it's fulfilling the spiritual elements, the spiritual dimension, and the spiritual man from the cross of Calvary. And it's bringing restoration. The cross of Calvary brings restoration to the fallen humanity. In a place of weakness, in a face that people thought think is a failure. And that feel that Jesus had lost, that's when he has his greatest victory on the cross, he's recreating. He brings before him a blank canvas to recreate. So all the elements of creation are found from the cross of Calvary. So how does that work? People ask the question. It's a good question for you to ask. Well, I'll qualify as best as the Holy Spirit allows us this morning, and and you're open to receive what God is saying there, because everything is about this new creation Jesus recreated. God was Jesus was not out of control on the cross of Calvary. He was in full control. He was in more control than Pontius Pilate, than Caiaphas, than Anas, than anyone around him. He was more control than the soldiers around him. He was more in control from the cross of Calvary than anyone. There was chaos in the world, but on the cross of Calvary, Jesus is the Lord of lords and King. King of kings and he's still full in control. He still has all his faculties, his rationale and everything, and he speaks because he's rationale per perfection. He is rationale. Because he is the word, and the Greek word logos is rationale. He is rationale. We are irrational. He is rational. He had all his faculties together, and he declared, and he made declarations, and he gave promises, and he gave gifts to men from the cross of Calvary. Can you imagine that? being on the cross, when everything has gone, and everyone's betrayed, you can still produce a paradise from the cross of Calvary? Yeah. He still produced a tree of life on the cross of Calvary. He still produced the medicine for the poison of the venom of the serpents in the Garden of Eden, was produced on the cross of Calvary. And that hallelujah! And that medicine flowed from his side. The blood and the water flowed to cleanse, to transform, to empower, and to safeguard us, and to be the antidote for the virus of deception. Hallelujah. He produces a paradise. He says, I thirst, but he can give a paradise. When it's all over. So never, never think it's too late. Never think you it's over, it's finished. Because when it is, something ends, something new begins. Hallelujah, praise God. So I want to show you, I want to parallel this very quickly and see what's happening there. Jesus makes seven statements from the cross of Calvary. God in Genesis makes ten. There's a legal aspect to the Old, Old Testament. It's not completed. It's not finished in that sense. Even though the seventh day God saw everything was good. He, God says the statement recorded in Genesis chapter 1. That 10 times God says. 10 times God says. And God said. 10 times in Genesis. Okay. Okay. Beginning with Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 it says this, the first first thing that God says on Genesis the first thing that we recall, it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth All right and then we're told the earth was formless and void and darkness over the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered the ruah of God hovered over the waters and then in that dark situation yes. i want you to remember, i want to see the parallel in that dark situation God speaks. Look at what happens in, in, in Calvary. It was darkness. And in that dark condition, Jesus speaks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it says, and God said, let there be light. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, he says, let there be light. Now that begs a question, hold it a second. The sun and moon were created on the fourth day. How can there be light before the sun and the moon? People don't work these things out. They read the Bible, it goes over their head. Because the light that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is not the light that we see here. Yeah. It's not this tangible light that you see, the sun and the moon, the 24-hour cycle, night and, day, and daytime. The light that he's speaking about finds its, its, its fulfillment and, and qualification. In John chapter 8 verse 12, this is the light that God said, let there be light. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. This is the light that is mentioned in Genesis 1-3, finds its fulfillment in this passage here, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Because in Genesis chapter 1-3, verse 3, it doesn't say, let there be light. The Hebrew says, let him be light. But it's not translated for you, because the world doesn't want to make it easy for you. That's why we teach the primary languages, to see what God actually said, not what people said that the, that the Bible said. And you see sometimes they twist the words of God to distract us from what really, who we are and what we can be and what can we fulfill and who God is to us. There was a a, a passage where Jesus says, if you abide in my word and keep my word, you will never see death. They turn around and said, he has got a demon. He said that. If you you abide, you will not taste it. Hold it. There's a big difference between seeing and tasting. You don't put food in your eyes. (laughs) And that's how subtly the word of God is sometimes broken apart. The devil uses the same word to deceive. He tried it on Jesus. It is written. He said it is written. He'll give his angels charge over you. She won't dust your foot on a stone. It is written, the devil said. And Jesus transcends that, rises he, he outranks the devil and says, but it has been said. Because God continually speaks. Because you're not confined by where you come from, you're open to what God the plans, the the, the 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 what God can do in your life. The possibilities of God are there before you all the time. So it doesn't matter what people say about you. God will always have the last word, even if it's written against you. God can erase that slate and give you a clean straight to begin a new beginning in God. So we see, He says, "Let him be light." And Jesus I am the light. And from that place of darkness, Jesus begins to reshape the new creation, bring about the new creation. So on the cross, he says this in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He said, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divide his garments and cast lots. He says, Father. He brings his father into the equation. In Genesis chapter 1. We see that it's the Godhead that brings about creation, not God, but the Godhead. Okay? And, and we see that in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 3, the three personalities of the Godhead are represented there. We see the Ruah, the Spirit of God, hovering over the face of the deep, and then we see, "Let him be light," the the sun. And we see verse one, the sun, Ba, the sun, and the word Elohim in Genesis chapter. I know I'm, I might be going university Stan. I don't know, but I'll just put it out there. I'll just let you know that, that there is depth in the Word of God in Genesis chapter one. Let me just quickly go over verse one. It says the third word is Elohim, which is, means God. The the singular word for God is El. When it says Elohim, it means it's more than two, because it's a, it's a collective noun. It's a plural word, but in a singular form. So here we see the Godhead, not just God, the Godhead. Uh, so Elohim, not El, God created, but Elohim, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father or the Word and the Holy Spirit are the agencies of creation, but it's through Christ that who, who everything finds its shape and form, praise God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's powerful. You can't make these things up. You just got to take God at his word. So the first thing that God pronounces from the from he speaks for all humanity. "Father, forgive them." Represents everyone. They do not they're acting in ignorance, in their blindness. Okay? And he says, "Forgive them." So he gives forgiveness. So if we want to reflect God, we must have a we must have an attitude of forgiveness. There's empower when you forgive someone, you empower them. You empower yourself, I should say. In a sense, you liberate yourself from being a prisoner in relation to other people's what they how they their opinion and how they see you and what they think of you. When you forgive, you become powerful. There's power in forgiveness. You're not you're not a prisoner to your past. You can move on. You can step out of that situation. You can step out of that, of that, of that prison, of that straitjacket. When you forgive, the chains, of uh, you yourself set yourself free. You get out of that prison. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then we have from the cross of Calvary. And I want to word that. I want to just let's, let's look at uh, uh, John chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus cares, shows his loving care. Benevolent love for his people, for people around them, nearest and dearest for him. He says this, he says this, uh, this is uh, to Mary. His mother. And When Jesus therefore saw his mother, he said, and the disciples who, the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Amen. Praise God. And he'll always have someone there for you. In your hour of need, God will bring something about someone around you. To support you at that moment of trial and challenge. Where no man and no woman is an island. God will always have someone or something around you to help you at the time of need. Praise God. Amen. From that helpless situation, Jesus is helping. Wow. How does that work? He's fixated to the cross, but yet he can give help and direction to the people he loves. And God can do that all the time in our lives. The way we get the direction from God is drawing near to him. See, they were around him. So he saw, they draw to him, and he drew to them. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, and he'll guide us, and he'll provide everything that we have need. God can do more and abundant, more than we can ask or think. God is not limited. He is unlimited. If you want direction, come to the Lord. If you, if you need something, come to the Lord. Hallelujah. And he was speaking to you on levels ways that you will understand. That's the love that God has for each one of us, which is powerful and so amazing. Hallelujah. And today I believe God is giving something to someone here today. I do believe that in my spirit and in my heart, I believe that God gives things to people. You know, I've received support and help in the most unexpected way. And places I didn't expect God produced things. that I, would, I didn't even know I needed it. And so I gave a message some, some time ago, I didn't know I needed it. I was speaking about Zacchaeus. When he went to see the Lord and he saw the sycamore tree, he didn't know he needed it until he, he needed it. <laughs> he climbed the tree. He didn't know that he needed it. And there's some things around your life, people, situations, whatever, that you don't know you need them until you need them. Yeah. Hallelujah. And today I believe God has given something to someone. And you leave here, something's going to happen in someone's life in this, in this place. right? Because you have made the effort. And because you've made the effort, God will honor that. They were around the cross of Jesus. Look at the other disciples. They all fled and hid. But John was there. And he connected him to the place he should be, to his mother. And the, our mother should be our church. Amen. It's a mother which births people. We have a baptism today. The baptism is the womb of the church that births people of the kingdom of God. That births people into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And then we have... Um, in, in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, we see what, ha- what, was create- what was brought about in Genesis was Eden, the garden of good pleasure, of delight. And we see at the cross of Calvary, there's a man, there's two thieves, one on each side of Jesus, if going through this darkness, seems hopeless. It was the end for them. They didn't do anything praiseworthy. You know, sometimes they say, I'm not ready to receive the Lord, I'm not ready to get baptized. You're never going to be ready. And no one's ready. Just accept it. Take God at his word and act on that moment. And don't try and get yourself ready. You cannot get yourself ready. People say, you know, I'm going to wait before I do this, before I run the... I think, is it today the London Marathon? Is it today? I should have been running it, but uh, I decided to defer for next year. (laughs) I'm running another marathon. But what I'm saying is that, um, uh, you know, you don't say, well, I'll wait till I'm ready to run the marathon. Just say you're going to do it and that will you in a situation that you have to get you out of your comfort zone to actually prepare for it. (laughs) Book the time and then you might be motivated to do it. And so, so there's never time you're going to be ready to to receive the Lord. There's never time you're going to be ready. You say, when I'm ready, when everything is fine, cross the T's, dot the eyes, then I'm going to go to church. When I cross the T's and dot the eyes, then I'm going to go out and do some uh, mission work. It, it will never happen. You'll never get. There will always be a distraction for you to stop you doing what you what you want to do in serving God. The world is good at that. Even John the Baptist tried to stop Jesus from being baptized, and he was his cousin. He said, it's not for me to baptize you. How can I I'm not worthy to to loose your sandal straps or whatever. He says, no, permit this to take place also to fulfill all righteousness. You're never going to be ready. So start now. Not tomorrow, now. Because tomorrow never comes. And so today God is speaking to us, he's paradise. And so one thief on the cross blasphemes. The other says, Lord, remember me. When you come. This is this is somebody who is incapable of doing anything, he's unrecognizable. People can do not recognize him on the cross. And he's on the cross there between two thieves. Hallelujah. And the, the thief on one of his sides says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, and honestly, see, he's in that place of agony, pain, he experiences the human suffering. And yet when he's asked a question, he dignifies the question by giving an answer. So we say, well, I pray to God that I don't hear an answer. No, you're not listening. God is giving you the answer, but you're not listening. Oh, how does that work? Because I'm distracted sometimes. Why? Because the answer is not the answer I want or I expected. People come for advice, and they're already in their mind. They have, a, they have they're already be, you know, have, have an idea that what answer they want. They have their preconceptions, and they come and if it doesn't align to their pre- preconceptions, they're going to do the complete opposite. It's not because they haven't been given the answer, because the answer doesn't suit them or doesn't satisfy them, and they want to do something completely different. But perhaps the answer is better for them what they have planned for themselves. And we want the answer that we want. Give me my answer. If I think one and one equals ten, that's got to be ten. God might say Seven. No, no, I want it to be 10. If it doesn't work out to 10, let me find another teacher. You know, always looking for the solution we expect, not what God wants to give us. And so this thief says, and Jesus responds to him, "Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, paradise is in the Garden of Eden. There's an old saying that the early church fathers would say this. I would say in Greek, I think I might have shared it with you before. Dobos granil... The place of the skull has become paradise. Because all the elements of paradise are found on Gogotha. How can that be? The place of the skull. What was the elements in paradise? In the middle of the garden of the Eden. The paradise of God was the tree of life. And the tree of long and good and evil. On, the, on Calvary... Place of the skull was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Both trees were there. Yeah. Okay. Those elements were in the Garden of Eden, and they were there in the, in, the, in in, in Gogotha, and he invited to have partake of the fruit of that tree, which is accept the suffering of Jesus for you, accept the blood for you. There's a remedy of what happened in the Garden of Eden to change things. A new cre- Jesus bring a new creation about. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then he cries out from the cross of Calvary in Matthew chapter tw- two, 2 of the gospels, Matthew chapter 27, verse uh, 46. And it's in Luke chapter 15, verse Just go to Matthew 27, verse 46. This is in this is on the cross from the cross. He starts quoting Psalms. And it brings to our mind that when we're in a place of distress, let's praise the Lord. Or we're, we're too busy, you know, fixating on our problems in a place of challenge. But maybe change our attention to God. Start praising the Lord. When Silas and Paul were in prison, they sang hymns and prayed in the, mid, in the midnight hour and the foundation shook because of the power of the prayer. And the doors, the chains were loose, broken, and the doors were, fell off their hinges. And they were liberated. In the midnight hour, they were singing hymns and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. There, there were two of them. They weren't complaining about what happened. They just praised the Lord. Hallelujah. And on the cross of Calvary, Jesus is quoting a scripture. He wasn't quoting it for his sake. He was quoting it for the hearers around him. So they take the psalm and read it in its entirety and see embodied in that one psalm. Psalm 22 is the whole narrative of the crucifixion and ultimately the resurrection, the victory of God on Calvary Hill. Just read it yourselves. When you go home, read Psalm 22 as it was spiritual exercise. Med- meditate on it pray about it and see the elements he speaks about they pierced my hands and my feet david's hands and feet were never pierced he says that if they cost lots for my garments david never had that experience Hallelujah. He says the dogs, the dogs have surrounded him. The bulls of Bashan have surrounded him. Dogs gape at him. Uh, what, what are the dogs? The dogs will represent to the Gentiles. The, the bulls of Bashan are representatives of the, high, the priest, uh, high priesthood and so forth. So all these elements are there in Psalm 22. And you're seeing it unfold before their very eyes. What David wrote a thousand years before, it's been fulfilled before their very eyes. How can a, 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 someone in that agony start quoting a psalm that relates to what he's going through? It's to qualify prophecy and fulfillment and the probability for those prophecies to take place and the others. There's no numbers in the world that can calculate that. They said just to take so many, a few, seven to ten, seven to ten prophecies to happen in the way that they happen. The probability of them taking place, if you take all the sand of the whole world, and perhaps a few worlds, and put it all together in a big cement mixer, and you take one grain of sand, and you t- change the color of it, make it red or, or blue, and you drop it in there, and you mix it all up. The probability of all those come to place is the same probability as a man closing his eyes, and reaching out into the, all that expanse of all that sand, in all that mixture, and pulling out one grain. And for that grain to be the same grain, what's a complete different colour to all those trillions and gazillion other grains, that's the kind of probability for Jesus to fulfill just a few of those prophecies in his, in his ministry. Let the scientists argue about that. Hallelujah. We say we're atheists with unbelieving God. What do you believe? The Big Bang. Well, it takes more faith to believe in the Big Bang. Do you know what the Big Bang's about? If you knew, you wouldn't believe the Big Bang. The Big Bang is the whole universe began as a pinhead, compressed matter, pinhead, pinhead, small pin, and all of a sudden it exploded, and that's what you see. But the question begs the question, where did that little pinhead come from? And I often say this to amuse myself. It's like getting flour, sugar, butter, salt, milk, and frighten it in the air, and it falls down, and it ends up in a lovely cake. <laughs> Marjorie Proops would have loved that. And it amuses me because I look at my watch, you know, if you have the mechanical watches, you look at the watch and they function so meticulously, time keeps a second a minuteness of a second, tick, keep the time. And yet you say, "How did that come about? Was there a designer? No, it just ended up on my hand. Just say that to someone, see what they say when they say. I didn't know that. I didn't see that this morning. It just just turned out. Well, this watch is timed by the universe, the, our universe, the cycle of the planets. Amazing. I'm I'm deviating. I digress. Paraphrase. Uh, Parenthesis. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it, and it's a two layers to this, really. One thing is that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It could reply that, you know, though Jesus felt abandoned, but it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It had to be that way. It was declared it would be that way. And she's reminding us that this is what would take place. There'll be a, a time of agony and challenge and so forth. But another thing is, my God, my God, why are you forsaken me? It can also be applicable to Adam and Eve. Because he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So Adam and Eve had the godly, divine quality to it by grace. So perhaps he's saying to Adam and Eve, "Why have you forsaken me?" Because they left him. God saying to God, and, Adam, Adam, where are you?" You know. So, so that, it's powerful. So it's becoming new paradise for us. Hallelujah! Praise God. And let me go to the, the final saying because of time. This is um, John chapter 19, verse 30. This is what Jesus says here. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, "It is finished," and, be, and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So he gave his spirit up. It was finished. Gave his spirit. So his spirit went to the Father. He says, "Luke says, into thy hands I, com- I commit my spirit." His body's on the cross. And his soul is descending in Sheol, tripartite. We are body, soul, and spirit. So he accounted for every aspect of our being on the cross. He accounted for them and redeemed our soul, redeemed our spirit, and redeemed our body. On the cross, he did a complete salvation of our wholeness, of everything that's represented in humanity, in man. Come on, I wish I am speaking to someone. So you are, you are saved, body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah! You're you're, you're fully complete. God's word is finished. De -de okay, De -de means complete, perfected. And then, interestingly, when God created, and I'm just going forward because of time, when God formed, made the heavens and the earth, created everything. On this, on the sixth day, Jesus looked out and said, He saw, and it was good, and it was very good. And then, the seventh day, He rested. Now Jesus now just completes his work, gives up the, the spirit, they bring him down, and what happens on the Sabbath, he's put into the tomb, and he's resting on the Sabbath. Jesus, uh, God in creation on the Sabbath, he rested. So see the parallels here. Jesus rests on the Sabbath, God rested on the Sabbath. Hallelujah, praise God. Amen. And so the sixth day, and so, so what happens the sixth day, God made man in his image and his likeness. But Jesus comes and he breathed into man and made him a living soul, we're told in Genesis chapter 2. So he, he forms man in his image on the sixth day, let us make man in our image on the sixth day. But on the eighth day, God makes the new man, because when he comes out of the tomb, on the on the first day of the Jewish week, which is a continuation from the Sabbath, seventh day becomes the eighth day, he appears in the evening in the room, upper room where the disciples are fearful and hiding because of the Jews, and he see, he says, be, be, be he brings peace to them, do not fear, he said to them, and he breathed on them. And he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." What did God do in Genesis? He breathes on man, and he receives; he becomes a living soul. Now he breathes on them, and they become spiritual beings. So he recreates. So the whole purpose of of, of the crucifixion is to be recreates us through His love, that we become a new creation. Galatians chapter six, verse fifteen. This is all encompassing for the whole world. There's no one excluded from this this um, opportunity. It says this: For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything meaning it's for the whole world but he says this a new creation so what God, God at Calvary brings about a new creation hallelujah praise God and I want to just finish off the benefits of the new creation and I'll be out of your face very soon <laughs> praise the benefits of the new creation in two Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 Paul tells the Corinthian church this for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us so the promises so being that new creation you are the beneficiaries of the promises of God wow it's powerful you're the beneficiaries of the promises of God and they're yes and amen but in him in Christ you benefit from the promises of God. Become activated in Christ. The promises of God become activated in him. You know when you want to buy something online, you need, you have, you need, you need an activation code? Yeah? Where he's the, the name of Jesus is the activation code. In his name, he activates all the promises. There's an open heaven for you. And in Jesus' name, what it means represented to pray in the name of Jesus activates all your benefits in him. You're more than conquerors. That's one of the benefits. In him, in spite of what what comes against you, in in spite of of, of whatever comes to come against you, in him, you are blessed. You are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And as Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And these are the benefits, and when we activate those benefits, things transform, things change. And today we speak about this new creation in us. You are the new creation in God. Hallelujah. Love is a verb. Love is an action. It's not just words. Jesus didn't just speak it. He did it. Praise the Lord. And there were seven sayings of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Seven sayings. And seven is a complete number. Ten is a legalistic number, but seven is a complete number, a perfect number. That's why in the Gospel of John, John records Jesus saying, there are seven I am statements recorded, but there's variations of the I am in John. But there are seven statements that begin with Ego I am, qualified by Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelations, there's numerous times that number seven is depicted because it's a complete number, because what Jesus brings about from the cross of Calvary is completion. Hallelujah, praise God. And fulfillment, which would give him the praise and the glory and the worship. I pray this message has spoken into your lives this, this morning. And I pray you leave here with the excitement that all the blessings and promises are, are yours in him. And he says yes and amen, praise God. I pray that you leave here with a new beginning, new opportunities, new excitement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Without fear. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that's another benefit of the resurrection and the new creation. All the old things have passed away. And everything has become new in him as we give him the praise and the glory. Let's stand together. praise God.